So when the, the role came up out of the blue, I was in somewhere like this apartment in Vancouver where I am now. And uh, I mean, I know we're at table eight, seven. <laughs> yes. Seven. Yeah. seven. Cocktails at table seven. Yes. Um, I, have to correct, I have to send someone an email because they were looking for us at table eight. Right. Right. <laughs> Nobody um, wants table uh, eight. Table eight is the little one next to it. And everyone's like, I'm not sitting there. <laughs> Don't put me at table eight. No, I'm not sitting at um, table eight. Welcome to Cocktails at Table 7, inside New York's Joe Allen. In May of 1965, Joe Allen began life as a cozy neighborhood bar and restaurant in New York City's Hell's Kitchen. Located just a few blocks from Broadway, Joe's quickly developed a highly loyal clientele of young performers, writers, and creative types. The food was great, the drinks were stiff, and the fabled flop wall celebrating Broadway's most notorious bombs gave the room an added touch of insider charm. Over the decades, Joe Allen grew into a New York institution, and on this podcast, we'll celebrate Joe's history with longtime regulars who know it best. We'll hear from actors, producers, writers, musicians, neighbors, and friends who will share with us just what makes Joe Allen the place to be. So here's to old friends, new friends, and cocktails at table seven. We got some um, San Pellegrino like flavored essential sparkling water and it tastes just like cough syrup like one tastes like robitussin one tastes like dimetap it's, it's <laughs> they each taste like a different the grape one tastes like a grape cough syrup the cherry one tastes like a cherry cough syrup from our sponsors at dimetap <laughs> at san pellegrino they merged with merc so, so. oh my god Oh, my God. Oh, welcome back to Cocktails at Table 7. It's been a month. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. I'm so glad that 2022 has corrected all the ills of the preceding year. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It is actually, what is today's date? It's Omuary 14th. <laughs> oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. And we're bringing you a new episode of Cocktails at Table 7. With the effervescent indefatigable he is he is he is indefatigable that he is he is a uh a, a total workhorse and an absolute charmer and it's mr victor garber Woo-hoo! what a great way to start the year right yeah seriously the man has done literally everything yeah i mean we went into it knowing that but as he talked us through his career and everything he's done it was stunning it is stunning also, just to look at his uh, IBDB page and see all the incredible plays, plays and musicals that he's been a part of. And if you're a, a Marvel fan, or no, I shouldn't say, is that Marvel? Uh, or is that, which is the... It's DC. DC, see? Okay. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, Dana, you've been outed. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, that is really not in keeping with someone who runs a Broadway podcast to not know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I get them. I get them all. I get them. I don't. They're all superheroes. If yes. you like superheroes, he's even been on the Flash. But what's funny is we talked about movies and we didn't bring up Titanic at all. Well, that's true. We didn't. With someone like him, we can't hit. If we if we hit everything, the interview would be 17 hours long and you would be bored of hearing us talk like you are now yeah exactly but what was really wonderful is so much of his early career 
was spent, in his own words, at Joe Allen with his mentors and his agent and people that were really instrumental in his early career. So he had amazing, wonderful stories about sort of the brotherhood and the camaraderie of the place. We do need to uh, point out that we did uh, do this interview before Stephen Sondheim passed away. So as most of you probably know, Victor Garber was in several Sondheim shows, but it was before he passed. So we didn't, that's why you don't hear any acknowledgement of that in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was, uh, it was wonderful. He's a great guy and I see why people clamor to work with him because he's a pleasure to be around. Very charming. And always has been because he's been coming in forever. We've been working there forever and he's always been a mensch forever. And the folks that he brings with him are also wonderful. It's it's a pleasure to serve him, to talk to him. To spill drinks on him. (laughs) Please don't. I just have to say, in this episode is my personal favorite uh, uh, Dana quote (laughs) of all time. It's at the very end. Wait for it. You'll you'll figure out. It's one of my favorite exchanges of all time. Wow, that is a that is a high compliment coming from Sean. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the last few minutes of he's this. He's seen one. many an exchange I've had with a human being. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. So that's it. Let's go. Let's let let's have at it. Sail on, sail on. Sail on. Right here on Cocktails at Table Seven. Inside, Inside New, New York, York Show, Show Allen. The five star podcast. Are we, are we doing this now? Are we, yeah, are we, yeah, <laughs> so, so now I'm drinking um, and, I, and, I, and I'm forgetting things and making things up. I was just thinking, when was the first time I was in Joe Allen's? I mean, I came to New York so long ago to see, and I saw uh, I saw the original Chorus Line downtown. I was with a thing at the Edison Hotel. I suspect I went there because I knew about Joe Allen's for so many years when I first went. Godspell, was that the first thing that you, you did in New York? No, I I only did Godspell periodically in New York as a as a cover. <clears throat> I did it in Toronto, and then um, then I did the movie, and I had then by that time I had sort of settled in New York. So, but the movie I don't even think the movie had come out yet when I when I was sort of filling in at the Cherry Lane, and then before that it was at La Mama. I think mm-hmm. that's where it started. As a little um, research, we we saw the movie again. We're we're huge fans of anything that's New York set in the sixties yes. and the seventies. Well, like, that's. That's quite a travelogue. Just the the, uh, the dancing in front of the Accutron sign that David mm-hmm. Haskell and I did, which you're too young to remember, but I, I remember it because I danced in front of it. But I mean, <laughs> they actually did that. Uh, and then, of course, the top of the World Trade Center. So right. just those things alone are, are kind of iconic. Uh, and that movie... Uh, it's incredible. And- I mean, I, I just feel like it's such a time capsule. Oh, my gosh. Like, And the fact that yeah. they shot sequences in relative silence where it's just you and the whole rest of the city looks abandoned is kind of an amazing accomplishment. Uh, yeah, we shot uh, on weekends when there were fewer people in um, the park uh, and they, you know, they are obviously uh, blocked off, but it was amazing how it looks like there's no one there. It's cr- crazy. Even, even during the pandemic, it wasn't as quiet as it was in some of those scenes with no, with no people. <laughs> I know. And it was the last time I was in shorts. <laughs> but it's not very long because immediately you're in the Superman yeah. shirt. I, oh, oh, oh. Uh, that was a, that was a, a tra- traumatic day for me uh, in you know in Bethesda Fountain. But um, you know it was also 
It was my first real big movie, and uh, we looped the whole movie because none of the sound was usable. I mean, that's part of why you don't hear anything because there's not, a, <laughs> not an original sound in it. What was fortunate is that I was able to improve my performance because when I saw it and listened to it, it was to my ears and to my so flat sort of conversational. And I, I heightened it quite a bit uh, in the recording studio, which I'm grateful that I was able to do because, you know, obviously you saw it. <laughs> and not only does it capture that moment in time, but there's an element of innocence. There's a sweetness to it. Yeah, I, I think that it's sort of um, inherent in the piece that you can't you can't actually do it unless you have that sensibility. When I did it, I was very young, and and, and you know, it was with the, that cast of Marty Short and Gilda Radner and Gene Levy and Andrew Martin, uh, Paul Schaefer was the musical director, and on and on. It's now uh, you know they call it the legendary production. Yeah, uh, and frankly. It was. I mean, I remember being in it and thinking, I'm surrounded by the most talented people I ever could be with. I, I just got an email from Don Scardino, who replaced me in the in the Toronto production because I was so worried about leaving to do the movie. And I, I called Edgar Lansbury, who was one of the producers, and I said, I've got the guy to play Jesus. Because I knew Donnie, and we were friendly at that time. And uh, he's a folk singer. I was a folk singer. Anyway, they cast Don, who basically took over the Toronto production, did it for a year. I did it for like six weeks. So mm. I was kind of, uh, you know, but but I was very intent on getting someone that would fit with my my group because I loved them so much. And I was so sad to leave them um, to go off and be a movie star. Oh, uh, <laughs> dude, uh, that was so sad. Gilda Radner, do you remember the uh, photos for four for a dollar? Go mm -hmm. photo booths, yeah. Photo booths, yeah. And uh, she took a, a four of them and she wrote on each one, I don't care, I got the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was just this kind of synchronicity that that is inexplicable, that that you know, these people kind of all ended up together. How but, is it but, that you are the one that did not end up on a sketch show then? <laughs> because you were the, the because, movie star. Because I that wasn't my forte. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was uh, I could I could be amusing with the right script, but it was hard for me to. Uh, although I've done more. I mean, the, the last I think the when I did um, Lisa Kudrow's show Web Therapy, that was really the first time I found out that I really could improvise because I was and I was working with a, a master and and. If I'm if I'm with somebody who's really good, it makes me better, obviously. And uh, I was I was wanted to be a you know a singer and a recording artist, and it, well, I wasn't what I was interested in doing, and nor were they interested in me doing it. <laughs> well, speaking of being a recording star and your folk singing days, tell us about the Sugar Shop. Oh, we boy. I saw a clip on the View, and I yeah. didn't know you were in a, a folk singing group. This was still in my early days in Toronto and uh, before Joe Allen's. Uh, I teamed up with this guy, Peter Mann, who was a friend who had directed me in a musical. And he wanted to start a singing group based on the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, so there would be two men, two women. Uh, and then we would have three backup players. And we ended up being kind of like a, a very high-end lounge act. 
I, uh, that's why I sort of thought of it ultimately. Uh, we did, we recorded a centennial song, a Canadian song called uh, Canada. We did this kind of uh, arrangement, which was very clever. Peter was brilliant at that. And uh, Mamas and the Papas kind of and very, you know, all those, oh yeah, things going on. And um, it was played all the time for the centennial. And we sort of became a hit. We got a New York manager who got us uh, on the Johnny Carson show and the Ed Sullivan show. And uh, we and we and well, first we recorded an album at Capitol Records in the Big Tower. Oh with, wow! Um, very the Al Delory who actually produced Glenn Campbell. I mean, it was it was it was it was, uh, it was high times, you know, literally. Um, <laughs> just, uh, but uh, I, I spent a lot of time uh, in LA and uh, sort of got to know my way around a very seedy part of Hollywood because we it's that area uh, where where Capitol Records is was notoriously sort of dangerous and druggy. But I, I felt completely comfortable there and, and had a great great time. There's a lot of, uh, of of travels for you between the folk singing and then doing Godspell and then making your way to New York and then just a whole lot of work in the city uh, uh, and then going to Joe Allen and maybe, uh, you know, forgetting some of what you did that day because it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember signing. Okay. Able to sign if you could do that, then, then you're fine. I was done. I was so happy. I was so happy. <laughs> I didn't, didn't take much. Was there like a group that you came in with that you gravitated towards? Yes. Uh, do you remember a, a stage manager, actor named Phil Cusack? He was uh, way before your time, but he was one of the, he, he I think he, uh, Robert Moore, Bob Moore, um, and uh, was a friend of Joe Allen. Yeah, and, um, he loved I Bob loved Moore. it. I can't tell you how, not, how, how kindly Joe spoke of him. He really, really liked him. Bob Moore is one of the people I miss all the time in my life. He he directed me in Death Trap. He directed me in the uh, the tour of their playing our song, two seminal parts for me. Uh, one was, you know, my actual starring role on Broadway with John Wood. Uh, and I, and that, I mean, I was always at Joe Allen during that period. Uh, and Phil Cusack was the stage manager uh, and he and Bob were very close. And they were all from the boys in the band days. Bob directed that original play. Um, and Philip was the stage manager, I believe. Or he may have even been in it. But uh, so, so, and my agent, Bruce Savan, he was part of that whole group, Bobby Drivis. These were all, um, well, a lot of uh, gay men um, were regulars at Joe Allen. And, and uh, Manny Eisenberg uh, and his then Lonnie, Lonnie Stunston was her name. Uh, she was the uh, stage manager for Death Trap. And she and Manny were getting together over that. And so I would, I would often meet them there. Uh, and I always felt completely welcome. From the first day I went, I just, there was never any attitude. Um, it was I always felt very, welcome i i can think of many nights that are where we're long i was there for too long I, I i knew how to get to joe allen from any place i was in new york it's like the north star those were the places that rooted me um orso and joe allen uh and then eventually a bar central you were mentioning before being directed by bob moore in death trap you originated the role of clifford and so my question yes. is 
in a world of NDAs, you have one of the most incredible twists. And when you read that for the first time, was there any indication when it was given to you? Like, you got to keep this highly secret. Was there any focus on that? You know, uh, John Wood, I've told this story before, but it's, it's, it's an interesting, I was doing Tartuffe. We were at the Circle in the Square with Tammy Grimes, Pat Elliott. I mean, all of them are yeah. gone, but uh, not Susie. Susie's still here, thank God. I had one scene in the play. I, I had nothing really to do with John the whole time on the stage, but I was a huge fan. I, I admired him. I was intimidated by him. He was a very scary guy, uh, very brilliant. Um, you never quite knew where you stood with him. Uh, and then one night, uh, he said, uh, could you come to my dressing room? I was like, sure. Uh, yes. And, he, and anyway, he handed me a script. And he said, would you read this? I'd like to know what you think of this play. And I was flabbergasted. I didn't, I, I mean, it was out of the blue. Of course, I went home and I'm a slow reader, but I read it that night. <laughs> um, well, as I was reading it, I thought, is he considering me for the role of Clifford? Is that why he gave it to me? Or, or does he just want my opinion? So I had to put that out of my mind and just read the play. And I came back and he said, do you think I should do this for my, as my next thing? I said, there's no question that I think you should do this. This is a great role for you. It's hilarious. It's moving. It's surprising. Um, and I said, and you'll be brilliant in it as you are. I mean, I was, I, I was a huge fan. And I was very definite about because I knew it would be a great role for him. And um, he said, would you, would you uh, be interested in playing Clifford? And I said, uh-huh, I would. <laughs> very, 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 very interested in playing that role. And, um, and he said, uh, good, because I've arranged for you to audition uh, for Bob Moore, the director, and Alfred Deliagra, the producer. And I'd like to read with you if that's okay. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know about that. I'd like a different reader, please. <laughs> yeah, just the it's intern from the, the office will do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know how I got through that period without having a breakdown. Like I was a nervous breakdown, but I did, and I we never rehearsed it. We may have read one scene before we went in. Just felt, I don't even think we did that. I think we just read it cold, and it was, um, and I got the job that day. So John Wood is responsible. Uh, and that was that changed my life. That changed my life. And ran and for course, four years. And Marion um, Seldes did, who did all of it. Yeah. Meeting her was one of the great honors of my life. She was she was everything you've ever heard and more. But I got out of that play. I got I had I signed a six month contract. I was very lucky because um, because then I, I think I did Sweeney Todd after that. We just spoke with Lynn Cariou. Uh, John Benjamin Hickey had told us that you were very taken with what Lynn Cariou was doing as Sweeney. Uh, is that something that you can remember or recall? Very, very much. I mean, listen, Lynn Cariou to me is the definitive Sweeney Todd. I, I mean, I watched him every night and I get chills thinking about it, watching you know, him singing These Are My Friends with those razors. And, listen, Sweeney Todd. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. If I have memorabilia, I like to bring it out. I brought out my my CD. Oh my God! Yes. There you are. Look at look at those sideburns. Those mm -hmm. fake right? sideburns. Oh. <laughs> For all of us, this is it's yeah. that show. It, I mean, it we could be talking to Ariana Grande, and, and we, we would, would be talk. Bringing up Sweeney Todd. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. 
there, there isn't anything like it. Uh, I've never seen or been in anything like it. But I will tell you, the first month of previews, the word was, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's, it's really remarkable to think how that turned around. Uh, because we all felt it. The audience was confused. And also, that was a show that obviously couldn't go out of town because of the, of the size. Mm-hmm. When it turned, you know, people were like breathless from it. Yeah. Um, but but it, I, we were none of us were I mean none of us were certain at all uh, except I always felt every time I watched have a little priest from which I watched religiously I thought this is the greatest duet I've ever seen mm. in my life this is the pathos the comedy the the, the artistry of these two brilliant performers and of course Sondheim yeah. uh, you know. It was definitive. I've never, I, I, to this day, what Angela did on yeah. that song. It's just, you know, I can still, I delighted in all of it. Um, if somebody were to come to you tomorrow and offer you the role of Sweeney, would, would that be something you would even consider? No. No? No. Unfortunately, no. No, uh, no I never wanted to play it. I, I, people yeah. have asked me to play it already, and I, and I thought, no, I, 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 I couldn't even approximate it's not that I would try to do what Len did, but I, no, I don't, it's not in me. I think um, I love the idea of playing a monster. In my life, I've had moments of that. And of course, there's nothing more thrilling for an actor than to play someone who is a monster and, and, and figure out how to make him human mm-hmm. or, hit, or the, the person human. Because that's what, and that's what Len did. Aside from his incredible vocal abilities at that time, his acting was unparalleled. Yeah. Yep, we agree. <laughs> but you did get a chance to work with Sondheim, and you did get a chance to tackle a monster. You got to play yes. Booth. Yes, that was right up my alley. I felt um, I was I was very comfortable in that role, uh, and and so now when I look back or I see those clips from Carnegie Hall, and I I don't know how I ever did that. I mean, it was so challenging, and for some reason I just you know because I was I had to I just got over my terror and and did it you know what what particularly the the vocal demands or the character the vocal it's always about singing for me when i just had to sing joanna i was i, I can't listen to it even now it's just because I, I don't I, I just don't think it's good enough but i'm very self, self-critical but booth the ballad of booth was you know formidable and um yes and, and, and actually one of the most rewarding experiences I've had in the theater to be able to do that. And I was just grateful that we recorded it because the, the show, as you know, was not successful. But, but thank God we, we were able to, you know, because it was Sondheim, we recorded it with that amazing, those amazing uh, arrangements. Mm-hmm. I have that little memorabilia here too. Uh-huh. My my beloved assassin soundtrack. <laughs> I know. I, I, that's so great. It's, it's interesting to hear you talk about your your feelings about the singing because that was one of the things I heard early on in my love of musical theater. Listening to you sing on Sweeney Todd, I had a little Thank voice you. crush on you. <laughs> Not kidding. Well, listen. As I'm as I'm saying all this, I feel kind of like why am I even talking about this? But it's just you know I was I was primarily a singer when I started, mm-hmm. and then as I got older and I realized how hard it was to maintain that instrument and how I had sung incorrectly for so long i feel like i I mean joan later helped me get through a lot of my life um even and 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 through dolly which was the last time i sang 
um, I can't sing without listening to myself. And then I, I, I and then I, I just clam up as soon as I hear anything that's not the way I feel it should be. You know, I'm very grateful that I had those opportunities. Uh, you know, Sondheim gave me a career in, in musical theater that was kind of remarkable that I just am so grateful for. Uh, and I, I worship him. I worship him. And you're not alone. No. <laughs> no one is. No one is. No one is. Oh, gosh, Sean. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Um, I think you did. No, I oh. totally, I, I really, that was so weak. I did not mean to really do that. Um, I thought it was sweet. Well, thank you, but I mean it. I mean it. Um, so doing, uh, doing Hello, Dolly with Bernadette Peters. I used to come into Orso quite a bit together. You obviously yeah. have tremendous affection for each other. Was that a relationship that you had before you worked together or did that sort of come about because of working on the show? We knew each other and we always liked each other and we sort of circulated in the same world, but we never really, I mean, we never really worked. We did that uh, television version of Cinderella, which we had nothing, no contact in it whatsoever. But I, I was... Uh, I am an enormous fan and always have been. This job honestly came out of the blue. Um, and I never, ever had considered or thought of playing Horace Vanderbilt. I'd never actually seen Hello, Dolly. So I rented the movie because that's all I could get in my, on my iPad and saw Walter Matthau, who I just worship. He's the and thinking, what the hell am, am I doing? But I knew David had done it. And so I listened to him on the uh, recording. And that's how I learned my songs because uh, I don't really read music. And, and I thought I can do this because they're, they're, it's not insane. The, the, I mean, they're difficult, but they're not, in, they're not out of my range. Uh, Bernadette, I, I will tell you, uh, first day of rehearsal with Jerry Zachs, who, you know, I'd worked with many times and I'd never felt more like where I should be than in that first day of rehearsal. It, it, I, it all came back, all my love of the theater, all my, um, my, my childhood dreams and yearnings were all, I suddenly thought, oh, this is what I was meant to do. I am where I'm supposed to be. And I don't often feel that. And I only felt it in the theater, really. The whole experience on uh, doing Dolly was that. I couldn't imagine being with anyone else in that role. Bernadette and I are, you know, bonded forever because of mm. that. And um, I loved it. She's yeah. one of our, love her from afar. Yes. <laughs> Would never speak to her directly, but <laughs> Joe Allen was was having dinner at Orso one night. But she came in and she walked past us. And Joe Allen says to me, how's it going with Bernadette and Hello, Dolly? And I said, well, you should go over and ask her. She's right over there. And he goes, that girl's not Bernadette. That girl's too young. <laughs> it's her, Joe. It's her. Yeah. And all of a sudden she goes, Joe? Because she saw him. And he's like, Bernadette, I just told him. I said, that girl's too young. I mean, yeah. there isn't anybody that doesn't. No, nope. uh, love her or have a crush on her or, you know, I couldn't believe that I was, I got to be with her every night on that stage and she never missed a performance. She did eight shows. She was, she was remarkable. You, yeah. you hop between media and between musicals and straight plays and drama and comedy. I, I don't know. Is there something about any of those things that draws you to them? I'm looking at 
you know, your resume and I'm looking at art and I saw you do, I saw, I think the very last performance in art that you did with Alan Alda and Alfred Molina. And I, I sat in the very back row of the very top balcony and was absolutely 100% engaged. You know, it good, was good, you know, for, a, and that was a far way away. Um, and it was just such an extraordinary cast. Uh, I mean, when, when somebody presents you with a project, does a cast matter? Does the work matter or it all matters? It all matters. Yeah. It all matters, but it actually starts with the words. Like noises off. Um, you know, the, when I read that, I thought that was one of the most brilliant plays ever written. Um, oh yes. And art was another one. Two Shakespearean actors was another. One. I mean, the, those are the the plays that I, I now that I'm thinking back. You know, Arcadia. I mean, my God. Mm. You know, it's, it's like. Um, of course, I had to read that four times before I had any clue. What it was about. <laughs> um, I can imagine. But. Um, but I no, I, I, I do. It's all about the, the words. I, I love great writing. And uh, I've been so fortunate. I mean, I, you know, he, Neil Simon, who I think, you know, is going to have his resurgence soon uh, with Plaza Suite. And I think people are going to re- rediscover what a genius he is and was um, because that writing, uh, you know, I did uh, they're playing a song and I did Little Me, which which unfortunately didn't work. Uh, because the, of the production and the way it was set up, and uh, but 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 his his um, his rhythms and his his genius um, are unmistakable and um, unparalleled in, in, in comedy. But I, I, I've been you know I've been around yeah. so long. I've covered I've covered a lot of territory, <laughs> so I've been I've been lucky. Movies movies came later for me. You know I I kept thinking oh that's never going to happen, and then slowly more came and um I, i'm grateful for that I, I was gonna say i don't know if i can watch an entire night of television without seeing you in something <laughs> most recently for me i did the binge of Shit's creek and was thrilled to see mm-hmm. you pop oh, up yes. against Catherine o'hara because well this, yeah she is no just, better yeah yeah i mean i i have to confess, I still haven't watched the last episode because I know I'm going to weep because the penultimate oh. episode, I was a mess. And it's just like, yeah. when do I want to cry? I don't want to cry now. When can I feel it? But, it's worth you know, it. It's worth it. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But, you know, you had a you had a fun little part in that. And that. Yeah. Eugene called me. First of all, they, they rarely hired anybody who was sort of known in any way. But because he was a te- television personality. Um, I, I couldn't believe how grateful I was for that role. It came at a time when I was kind of really not in a great space and, and it just revived me. And I was so honored to be asked to be in it. And, you know, I was, uh, up in, I went to Toronto and, and got to be with Catherine and Saul Rubinek, who I've known oh, since forever, uh, was one of, the, one of the great character actors. Uh, Canadian guys, and um, it was a privilege and an honor to be a part of that show. And uh, no one knew it was going to be come what it did. Yeah, um, it was. It's amazing. They're like rock stars now. They can go. Yeah. They fill. <laughs> they fill theaters. Marty Short said he he went to see them at the Beacon Theater in New York, which is a huge concert hall. And he said it was like the Beatles came on stage. <laughs> yeah. And he he said, "I'm not exaggerating." I have to mention one thing. You did a TV movie where you played Liberace. Um, oh, I and, did. Yes, I did. And, and I you worked that. with Maureen Stapleton and Saul Rubinek was in that as well as your manager. Yes, he was. You're right. David Green, who directed me in uh, Godspell, the movie, called me years later and said, 
Well, now I've, I, I'm going, I've asked you to play Jesus, and now I'm going to give you another impossible role, Liberace. He directed, <laughs> he directed Liberace. So I said, okay, sure, <laughs> let's try. But that was, that was worth it. I mean, I actually am very proud of that movie because I thought we, we had, it was dignified, it was, uh, it was sensitive, it had a, um, and then it had Maureen Stapleton, which, you know, was um, a gift to, for me to be in the same room with. Another person who so many of our guests have wonderful memories of, not only of just the, the, the brilliance of her work, but spending time with her. Everyone has such wonderful stories about Maureen Stapleton. No one was funnier. She, she and Colleen Dewhurst together were like a, an act. They were just, uh, they, were, they were, you know, they were iconic uh, yeah. actresses who just loved to drink and laugh. It was great. <laughs> We like to round out the show with our last call Proust questionnaire. So we Joe Allen up the Proust questionnaire, you know, like James Lipton on the actor studio. With oh, I know. I'm, I'm bad at this, but I'll do my best. No, okay. but these are just first thing off the top of your head. Yeah. And these are easy. I know. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we can do like this. We, have, we can, you know, we, we can... edit. We edit. No, no, so. no. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready? ready? Okay. I was going to say we were going to bring in Lisa Kudrow to, to oh, ask, God. and then you'll be great. <laughs> great. Yes. Uh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, right. Wait a minute. I forgot to ask you a thing. Am I correct to be as in love with Jennifer Garner as I am? You'd be insane if you weren't. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. She's uh, she's like she's a remarkable mm. person and and wonderful act, actress and yeah, she's uh, we're very close still, very close. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So the first question is, what's your drink at Joe's? Uh, vodka martini. Okay. With a twist, right? Olive. Ah, shoot. Oh. But it's straight up. I know that. It is straight up. Oh, it's straight up. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I think I've almost spilled it on you a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could go for one right now. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Teaching. Would you like teaching theater or, or something else? You did that, though. Uh, not really. Uh, uh, no, I mean, I, I don't think I, I, I'm not smart enough to be able to do anything other than teach, uh, you know, something in the arts, but um, I mean, to acting probably. Um, what live performance floored you the most? Something that you saw or something that you were in that you were watching while someone was else was on stage? A Angela and Lynn, yeah. I would say, yep. to was like one of the top. And, and also, I just have to say, Alan Alda and Fred Molina every mm. night, I just I couldn't believe that I was up there with those those two guys. What is your favorite dish at Joe Allen? The salad. I was trying to think of the name of the salad. It was with the, the cheese and and, and a scala. scala salad. Scala salad. I think I that is the number one fan favorite. If we go back through and all the episodes. At a certain that, point, it looked like it was going to be liver, but the uh, La Scala salad has pulled ahead. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, with the dressing, with the ranch dressing, or the whatever yeah. that dressing creamy was. Italian. But yes, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite curse word? Um. Hmm. I say fuck a lot. It's classic. Fuck like yes. that. Yeah, it feels good. good. It feels good. Like 
I was about yeah. to say it feels good in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. We, now we've sunk. Oh, oh. Oh, we can edit that out or we can leave it. Uh, we leave sure. that. That leaves that goes in. That stays in. It that doesn't go in. in. It stays in. Oh dear. Um, oh, we are oh. Okay. If you could invite anyone to join you for a perfect New York evening of Broadway and dinner at Joe Allen, who would you invite? I, I would have to be a table. It could be a couple. Yeah, you sure. could. You could, yeah. you could cast it. <laughs> well, um, I would say. Uh, oh well, I, honestly, I don't even. I, I couldn't even begin. It's like every every person. You know, there are so many people I have worked with that yeah. I miss and would love, and some of them aren't even alive. So you know, I, I you know I'm going to say Robert Moore. I would say I miss I miss him all the time, and he he was one of those people that inspired me and made me laugh, and um, was one of the, he was one of the smartest people I've ever met. Love I miss him. And lastly, pick one word to describe how you feel about Joe Allen, the establishments. Iconic. We haven't gotten that one before. That's great. That's a really good one. Thank you. So, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Going to uh, London, knowing it was there, and, but it just made all the difference. It just was mm. made me feel safe when I was there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, he did. He was amazing, amazing man. Yes. Well, he was, thank, and yeah. thank you so much for yes, joining us. Yes, thank you so much. Great time thank talking you. to you. It was so much fun. I feel uh, just uh, so uh, warm and fuzzy. It's really nice. And your martini's on its way. Yes, yes. I'll you. try not to spill it this time. <laughs> I, I've no no doubts that you won't spill it. Uh, we like to close with a toast. So if you oh, raise your yeah. glass to good friends, great nights at the theater, and cocktails at table seven. Cheers! Cheers! Can't wait! Can't wait. Bye! Yay! <laughs> Cocktails at Table 7 is produced by Jason Woodruff, Dana Mirlock, and Sean Kent, with theme music by James Rubio and logo design and artwork by Christina D'Angelo. Special thanks to the owners of Joe Allen, Orso, and Bar Centrale Restaurants. 